Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. How many know faith is a gift from God? It's a gift. God, God gives us faith. It's not even something that we get on our own. It's something that God has given to us. In fact, over in Romans, the 12th chapter, why don't we go there tonight? Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of, of faith. Some translation says the measure of faith. God has given us faith. Well, what faith has he given us? Well, there's really only one kind of faith, and that's the God kind of faith. God has given us his faith. And notice that he's dealt it to each one. Each one of us who have been born again. We have the faith of God. Of course, if you've been born again, you've received the Spirit of God. And so he is referred to as, in 2 Corinthians 4.13, as the Spirit of faith. So you have the Spirit of faith, and he comes with all his faith. And so you have his faith. Think about that. If you have the Spirit of faith, then you have the Spirit's faith, which is God's faith. That's the faith that you and I have. God has given that to each and every one of us. And yet, some people's faith is stronger than other people's faith. But if God has dealt to everyone his faith, there's only one kind of faith, which is the God kind of faith, then how can some people have stronger faith and other people have weaker faith? Well, it all depends on what you do with the faith he's given you. We have to develop the faith that God has given us. Just like when a baby is born into the world, that baby, that infant is weak. But that baby is just as much of a human being as you are, as any grown adult. That baby is a human being just like any human being, but that human being is weak. Its parents are stronger because they've developed, they've grown physically. So it's the same thing with our faith. When we receive the faith of God, we need to exercise it. We need to feed it. We need to work it out. We need to develop it. And as we develop our faith, our faith can get stronger and stronger and stronger. Think about Jesus, all the different people he met, he came across, and many of them, he said, O ye... Of little faith. Well, little faith would be the same as weak faith. Weak faith. We're not to have weak faith. We're to have strong faith. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6. Why don't you turn with me there to Ephesians, the 6th chapter. In verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord... And in the power of his might. Notice that. Be strong in the Lord. Well, how do I be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? By being strong in faith. You can't be strong in the Lord and not be strong in faith. You can't be strong in the Lord and be weak in faith. To be strong in the Lord is to be strong in faith. Faith in the Lord. Faith in the Lord. Strong faith in the Lord. We don't want to have little faith or weak faith. We want to have strong faith. Our, the father of our faith, Abraham, over in Romans, the fourth chapter. Note what it says there about him. If he's called the father of our faith, then we need to be learning from our father. We need to be learning from Abraham. We need to be looking at his life of faith. Did he have strong faith? Was he strong in the Lord? 
or is he weak in faith? Well, the Bible tells us here in chapter 4, verse 17, it says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God. So in the presence of God, he believed. He believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. That's what the Lord had said to him. Remember, he and his wife, uh, his wife was barren. They didn't have any children. They were unable to have children. And it wasn't until he was almost 100 years of age that he was able to have children. Both him and Sarah were able to have their son Isaac. And the reason why they were able to have their son is because God made him a promise that he would give them a son. And so he believed that promise. And God said, man, I'm going to give you so many children. All the nations are going to call you blessed. You're going to be a father of many nations. That's how many children you're going to have. A father of nations or a father of multitudes. So God makes this promise to him, which seems absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he was in a hopeless situation. His wife was barren all her young life. Now she's an elderly woman, has passed the age of childbearing in addition to already have been being barren. Something was wrong with her body that she couldn't have children to begin with. Now she's a, an elderly lady looking at it. From their perspective or anybody else's perspective, it is absolutely hopeless. I mean, if they walked into a doctor's office and said, you know, we would like to have children. I mean, they'd be laughed right out of there. Doctor would say, that is, that's impossible. That is a hopeless situation. I'm sorry, we have no hope for you in this matter. And so even though there was no hope, the Bible says who contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations and is also referred to as the father of our faith. And you can see why he would be called the father of our faith. I mean, this is incredible faith. It didn't just happen. He didn't just have this child, Isaac, because God wanted him to have a child. He had to believe God for it to come to pass. You understand that? It wasn't just, well, it's the sovereignty of God. And so God is a God of miracles. And if God wants to do this, God can do it. No, God needs your faith. And that's what this is all about. This, that's what's letting us know. He became what God said he would become because he believed what God said. Not just because God had said it. God said it, he believed it. And that's a key factor in God getting what he says. So God's going to get what he says. God's going to get what he says in your life if you believe what he says. Otherwise, we don't get what God wants, even though God wants it. So that don't sound right. Well, let me ask you this. Are people going to hell? Do people go to hell? Is it God's will for people to perish? No, the Bible says in 2 Peter, he's he's not willing that any should perish. But that what? All. That's everybody. Everybody should come to repentance. Does everybody repent? Is it God's will for everybody to repent? Yes, it's what God wants. He said it in his word. He's not willing any should perish. That's what he said. God has what he says. God has, well, not, not in the life of the one that's perishing. Not in the life of the one that's going off into hell. No, they're going off into hell uh, because they didn't believe the promise. That they didn't have to perish. They didn't believe in the promise of salvation. See? So it's like that with everything. We, we understand that. So we see how, how vital faith is to our lives. We have to live by faith. We have to walk by faith. If we want God in everything that we do in life, if we want his blessing on our life, if we want to walk in the power of his might, 
then we need to walk by faith and not by sight. Did you get that? If we want to walk in the power of his might, then we have to walk by faith and not by sight. And so we want to walk in the power of his might. How often? All the time. All the time. So we don't want to have any downtime when it comes to faith. We don't want our faith to go down for a minute. I'm just trying to get over the seriousness of faith. We don't want our faith to go down for a minute. Because if our faith goes down, we go down. We go out without the power of his might, without God operating in our life. But when you're living by faith and not by sight, then you're walking in the power of his might. You're not walking in your own ability. You're walking in his ability. We can walk in his ability. We can walk in his power. That's why he says over in Galatians chapter 2, Galatians 2, verse 20, uh, the apostle Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in this physical, in this physical body, the life I'm living in this physical body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm living by faith in the Son of God. What does that mean? That means I no longer live. But it's Christ that lives in me. That's what living by faith is. It's Christ doing the living. You're just along for the ride. I said, you're just along for the ride. Well, that sounds like a rest. Oh, yeah. That's why he said in Hebrews 4, he who believes has entered the rest. When you get over in faith, you're resting because you're just there for the ride. You're just the passenger. He's the driver. Hallelujah. He's the driver. Praise God. He's the driver. He's the one that's driving this thing. He's the one that's leading us and guiding us. You and I can just sit back and relax. Enjoy the ride. In other words, we're not struggling in our own strength. We're not struggling in our own might. We're not struggling in our own ability, in our own ability. We're not sitting there pushing and trying to make anything happen. Everything we're doing now is in the power of his might. So we say, I'm strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. And I'm sure trying to be strong. Well, just hang in there. You know, be strong. Hang in there. I'm trying. See, people, people are trying to be strong in themselves. But we're strong in the Lord. Not in ourselves. That's, I'm talking about faith tonight. That's faith. It's strong in the Lord. Why? Because you're leaning on him. You're resting in his ability, in his wisdom, in his strength, in his might. He's going to get this thing done. He's going to bring us through. His will is going to come to pass. You know, you, 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 God calls us to things, but you know what? You can't even do what God's called you to do. Did you know that? Go with me to First uh, Thessalonians. Oh, I love this. It makes me so relaxed. Don't you like being relaxed? People smoke things to get this. And they still don't get it. You understand what I'm saying? They drink stuff and they still don't get it. But we got it. I said, we got it. We got it. Now look at this here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify. If you get out of peace, you've gotten out of God. If you've gotten out of peace, you've gotten out of God. You need to know that. There's some people priding themselves on their peacelessness. They're going to pieces instead of being in peace. And then they pride themselves on their, on their going to pieces. And they run around and tell people how they're just going to pieces. 
how they're just this, how they're just this. They got so much going on, got so much, and, so, and then they, they blabber about it like they're proud of it. It's like, shh, be embarrassed. <laughs> you're not in faith. You're, you're, you're into yourself. You're not, in, the, you're not in, in his might. You're not in him. Don't brag about it. Get yourself corrected. Fix the problem. That is a problem. You, just remember, you're going to pieces. That means you're out of God who is peace. So a sure sign that we are out of faith is we have lost our peace. You've lost your peace. You've lost your peace. You've lost God. You've lost sight of him. That's a dangerous place to be. That ain't a laughing matter. That's something we've got to get corrected immediately. Right? So this is good things, you know. Many times, I had learned that early in my Christian walk. Went out to God in prayer. Upset about things, but I'm praying. I'm praying. And I'm talking to God, but I'm not in peace about the thing I'm praying about. And then he would ask me. Finally, I'd settle down quiet enough for him to be able to speak to my heart. And he said, where's your peace? And where's your joy? I said, Lord, if you'd fix this, I'd have peace and joy. He said, oh, so that's your peace. I thought I was. That's your peace and joy. I thought I was. See, I'm out of faith. I'm out of him. I'm out of him. He's my peace. He's my joy. Right? He's the God of peace. No peace, no God. Because God is peace. So if there's no peace, there's no God. Because God is is peace. All right? So may the God of peace himself sanctify you. I love that. Uh, Sanctify you. There's a lot of people striving in the flesh to sanctify themselves. Trying to live a holy life. How many people want to live a holy life? You know? And and how many people know we need to sanctify ourselves? Yeah, but yet it's not really us doing it. It's it's being in peace about God working in our life. It's being in peace or being in faith concerning God's power, God's might, helping to bring our bodies into subjection. Helping to bring our life into subjection to His Word, to His Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. I said, we can't do it on our own. But in the power of his might, we can do all things. We can do all things. Sin is nothing for us. We've got the victory over that. We've got the victory over everything of the devil. We've got victory over the devil, the flesh, sin, everything. Praise God. We've got the power of his might. And so when we're resting in faith concerning him, we're in peace. And when we're in the peace of God, then that's when we're able to live a sanctified life. If you're going to pieces, you're not going to live a sanctified life. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to act wrong. You're going to, you're going to flesh out. You're going to freak out. You're going to give in to temptation. You're going to do things. You're going to panic. You, things are going to go wrong. You're going to act wrong. Outside of peace, nothing's right. Everything falls apart. You see that? Everything falls apart outside of peace. So, so we stay in the peace of God. And then that's, now you're able to operate in self-control. Now you're able to watch what you say, you know. But when you're in panic and not in peace, you don't have time to watch what you say. You have to say it right now. Right? You have to say it right now. You've got to venture feelings right now. You've got to let them know right now. you got to, you got to, you can't, there's no peace. So, so you can't control your mouth. And you cause all kinds of problems for yourself. You sin. You end up sinning. And so... The God of peace himself sanctify you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Praise God in the peace of him. Praise God. There's a sanctifying work that he's able to accomplish. Sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice God's not just interested in your spirit. He's interested in your soul too. Your emotions, your inner feelings. God's God's interested in that. And your body. He wants your body preserved. Blameless. Blameless. When Jesus comes back, he doesn't want to come back to a a bunch of people that are sickly, 
and physically hurting. It'd be hard to go out and greet them. Trumpet blows and you're like, I just can't right now. I just don't feel good. I'm sorry, Lord, I can't. Jesus is here. I'm sorry. I'm going to miss the boat. He wants you healthy in your body. He doesn't want the devil wreaking havoc in your body. Well, how, do we, how do we keep our bodies healthy? Stay in the peace of God. How do you do that? Stay in faith. Keep trusting in him. Trusting in his promises. Just like Abraham, who considered not his own body. And because he considered not his own body, in other words, he didn't worry about his body. Because he didn't worry about his body. Guess what? His body was able to do something that it should not have been able to do. Same with Sarah. Their bodies were able to do things that it should never have been able to be done. But it happened because of God's power working in their life. Praise God. I mean, if God could cause their old bodies to be young and fresh and able to bear children because of their faith, what do you think should be going on with your body? See, our bodies should be getting stronger. Praise God. We got healthy, strong bodies. Somebody say, my body's blessed. blessed. It's preserved blameless, blameless. faultless, Faultless. infirmityless, painless, sicknessless. Sicknessless. Amen. That's what it is. Blameless, praise God, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. He who calls you to it is faithful who himself will do it. God just calls you to it, but he himself is going to do it. Think about that. He's he's the one that's going to do it. So he's called us to things. He's got a great call on our lives. And so we could just obey him and follow him knowing he's the one that's going to bring it all to pass. He's going to do it. I mean, Moses started looking immediately at himself. God called him. He said, now I want you to go back to Egypt, right? I want you to go back. I want you to tell fat Pharaoh, listen, I give this message to him. I don't know if he was really fat, but I want you, I want, there's some things I want you to say to Pharaoh. Are you going to straighten this guy out? This is what you're going to do. Moses started speaking in tongues. He started, no, Moses said, I can't speak. Lord, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a good speaker. I can't do this. So we never want to lean on our own abilities because then we limit God greatly. We don't want to limit the Almighty in our lives. It's not about your education. It's not even about your experience. It's not about what you can do. It's about what He can do through you. It's all about you yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit. You yielding to Him and allowing Him to do this work through you. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Hallelujah. He's living in me. He's thinking through my thoughts. He's speaking through my lips. He's loving through me. He's touching through me. Come on. He can do supernatural things through me. Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Why? Because you've got such a beautiful hand. Ah, you've got such a wonderful hand. No. We just had some prayer going on a little while ago. Hands are being laid on people. Is it because my wife's just got wonderful hands? You know, she, she soaks them in um, palm olive. <laughs> no, it's, that's soap. It's a commercial. Palm olive. Remember the soap? Palm olive? And they had a commercial. They actually were soaking their hands. It's wonderful. It's just No, it's not palm olive. It's nothing like that. It's confidence that God's going to do something that we cannot do. We can't heal people. I said, we can't heal people. We can't fix people's bodies. But God can. How's he going to do it? He's going to do it through those that yield themselves to him. Those who believe the promise of God. Those that stretch forth their hand as a believer. Laying hands on the sick. Knowing that God does the recovering part. All you got to do is put your hand out there in obedience. Just you, all you do is act of faith. Take your hand. Well, my hand feels kind of cold. I know mine does half the time too. 
It don't matter. I, I remember the first one. I was youth pastoring years back out in Oklahoma. I, you know, we went on this, uh, this camp out. And as we were just sitting around, I don't know, we were, I was probably ministering the word or something. I really don't remember, you know, what was surrounding it. But just as we were sitting there, I said, you know, I just really felt this sense. I'm supposed to lay hands on these guys. I just really felt this sense from the Spirit of God. So I said, I said, um, I just feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not supposed to lay hands on you guys. I said, God, he moves through the laying on of hands. I explained that to them a little bit. So I had them all line up, and I put my hand on the first one, and we didn't have ushers catching people. And I didn't expect to happen what happened. I laid my hands on the first guy, and he went, he went backwards. He just fell back, hit his head on the ground. I mean, landed head first, bounced, his head bounced, went, <laughs> started laughing. He laid hands on the next one. Bam, same thing. Bam, same thing. Bam, same thing. Bam, I mean, the power of God was just flowing. I, I didn't feel anything. I finally got to this one girl, laid my hands on her, and she just stood there and shook and cried and laughed and, and sweated and tears running and schnookums going. I mean, she was, I mean, she was just a mess, man. And I'm sitting there, and she's, oh, oh, I mean, she's just, power of God's just all over. I'm like, I said this within myself. I said, Lord, it'd be nice you using my hand if I could feel some of that. I didn't feel anything. See, I was just obeying that prompting of the Spirit of God. And I didn't feel a thing. And yet God was using my hand. So you see, that'll teach you, see, not to look for some kind of feeling before believing what God said. Well, I believe what God said, but I don't really feel it right now. I just don't feel very spiritual right now. I hope they don't ask me to pray. I hope Pastor doesn't grab that microphone and come over to me and put that up in my face right now. I hope he doesn't. I just don't feel spiritual right now. I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm prayed up for this. I'm not prayed up for this. All you got to do is believe. A lot of times we're trying to get prayed up for stuff. And it's all a matter of just believing that he is. And that if he's called us to do something, well, that quite obviously means he's going to do it. Because he who calls you is faithful, who also himself will do it. So he does it. Somebody say, God does the work. It's no longer I. It's no longer I. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, when you get over into faith, you've retired. You've reached retirement. You've reached retirement. Praise God. And now you can just start receiving your benefits. Amen. God, God will just start providing for you. God will be the one to take care of you. He'll send government checks from the government of heaven. And you can start, just start collecting. There's all kinds of benefits, all kinds of privileges because of retirement. See, faith is retired from its own works, from striving, from trying to get it done in its own power and its own might. We've retired from that. It's no longer I who even live anymore. It's Christ living in me. See, I used to read that like that was something to attain to. That was something to attain to. You know, Paul had reached this place where it was no longer him who lived, but Christ. Well, yes and no. Uh, The place is here right now. It's here right now. It's the place of believing. It's the place of faith. It's just the place of knowing What God said is true. What did he say? He said that he would do the work through you. That he would do the work. That he would get it done. So it's just a matter of believing. So you've reached, you've reached Galatians. You've reached the level of Galatians, what was it, 2.20? You've reached the level of Galatians 2.20 the moment you believed Christ in you. That he's the one working through you. Amen? Amen. So you've reached that level. Just believe it. Now sometimes people get there and they slip from that level. Well, how did they slip from it? They got their eyes off of him. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on God. Just stay in that place. Just think about it. If we just stayed in that place of unbroken fellowship with him... Just knowing the reality of the word of God, that his promises are true. Think of what God can get done. Think of what he could accomplish. I, that's how I, I mean, I don't want there to be any gap 
any break in God working through my life. I mean, the more I go on with God, the, the more that's, that's my cry, that's my desire. That's what I want more than anything else is just to be yielded to him 100% seven days a week, 24 hours a day, nonstop, just yielding to him. And that's what we're going after. That's what, we're, that's what we're looking to obtain. That's what we're looking to lay a hold of is that place of just where we believe without ever doubting. And our faith is strong continuously. Always strong. We're never caught with weak faith. We're never caught with weak faith. We're always, we always have strong faith. And when we look here at Abraham, back in Romans chapter 4, there's some key elements that Abraham had going for him that caused him to have strong faith. And remember this, Abraham was not born again. Abraham is an Old Testament, Old Covenant man. He doesn't have really half of what you and I have today under the New Covenant. The Bible says we have a much better covenant that's established on even better promises. So the, the promise that Abraham had, he believed. And look what God did through him. Look what God did through him. I mean, people like us are still talking about him today. 2,000 years later. Wouldn't it be nice if people were talking about you 2,000 years from now? I'm talking about here on earth. Why can't we go down in the hall of fame of faith? Why can't we be remembered as a great people of faith? I mean, Paul talked about a, a church where he said, your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. They didn't even have the internet. How in the world? Your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Your faith grows exceedingly. How is that? And how does everybody know that? How does that word get out there in a heathenistic world? Yet it did. It traveled. People were talking about the faith of that church. Why can't they be talking about the faith of our church? Come on, somebody. I mean, we need to be on the map. We need to be recognized uh, by heaven. Heaven needs to look and say, these folks are doing it. They're making it happen. They're living the life of faith. Look at Christ living his life. Well, listen. Is Jesus famous? Is he famous? If Jesus walked the earth today, would he be famous? Huh? I mean, not be liked by everybody, but he'll still be famous. They'll all, everybody will know him. Well, guess where he is today? He's in you. Christ in you. He's in you. The greater one's on the inside of you. Jesus is famous. Jesus is known everywhere. So we should be known everywhere if it's not us who are living, but it's Christ who's living his life in us and through us. Right? So I'm just talking about just going over the top. Letting Jesus be Jesus. Let God be God in our life. We got to get a vision for this. It's not just, I have faith. I have faith to get my rent paid, I think. You know? And, and folks are over here just saying, oh, God, help me to believe you for my, help me to believe you for my rent. Help me. Well, that's a great way to start. But that's not the pinnacle of faith. Is it? Have you know, rent is not a problem. Mortgage payments or whatever. It's not a problem for Jesus. Tax money. Oh, my taxes. Oh, my taxes. Oh, Peter. <laughs> Go down, cast your line in the water. And pull up, the first fish you pull up, just cut the thing open and your tax money will be, if you and me, tax money will all be in there. It's not a problem. Jesus was showing us, it's not a problem. God could get, God could get money to us without a problem. Money, my goodness, should we be working for money? That was weak, that was really weak. Should we be striving for money? Should we be, should we be trying to get money? No, 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 no. Jesus has no problem getting money. He's got no problem paying bills. He's got no problem paying taxes. 
He's got no problem. Money is not a problem with Jesus. It's not a problem with God. So you and I should not be busy in ourselves working, working and striving to try to make a living. You're not supposed to be living. Christ is supposed to be living his life through you. It's no longer you who are living. So why are you out making a living? That's, I mean, somebody would tweet that. I mean, t- Twitter should be lighting up tonight. Right? It's no longer I who live. And then you're out making a living. Trying to make a living. No, 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 no. Stop trying to make a living. And let's just get over into believing. That we're not living. He's living. He's living. I'm not living. He's living. So many people are afraid to die. Why are you afraid to die? You're supposed to be that already. Well, if it's no longer you who live, then you're dead. You're dead. You understand? Dead. It's no longer you who live. It's Christ who lives. So you're dead. So we're dead to sin. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? We're dead to sin. The devil comes and tempts you. And your flesh tries to rise up. And you just say, you're dead. You're dead. That really hurt what they said. They really hurt me. That's like, that's as ridiculous as going over to a corpse. And everybody clears out. And you look down there at the corpse. And you go, I never liked you. (laughs) You are so ugly. I mean, you're so stupid. And I'll tell you another thing. And remember that? That thing that, I, that was stolen from you, I'm the one that took it. <laughs> In fact, I stole a whole lot of things when you weren't looking. <laughs> Take that. What's going to happen to that dead person? <laughs> huh? All of, a sudden, all of a sudden, look, color starts coming back into their face. Is that going to happen? No. They're dead. They're dead. Somebody say, I'm dead. I died. It's no longer I who live. That's right. You've died. It's Christ that's living. See, Moses, even Moses, an old covenant guy, Moses, for crying out loud. He didn't even have the Bible. He was the one that had to start writing it. He didn't have a Bible to go to. And yet, when the people murmured and complained and whined about Moses, you're a terrible pastor. You're a terrible leader. Oh, we just want to stone you to death. You. And it just murmuring and complaining. And there were some professional murmurs and complainers in the camp of Israel. I mean, the media was there. He lying about Moses, going around slandering Moses. You know they were. Slandering Moses and Aaron, just slandering them. Moses... He didn't take it personally. He said, who are we? Who, who, who is Aaron and who am I? That you murmur against us. Your murmuring's not against us. It's against the Lord. That's what he said. He said, time and time again. You're murmuring not against us. Who are we? See, they're like dead people. See, he's in faith. I'm talking about faith. When you're in faith, it's not you who are living. It's God doing the living. You're like a corpse. You're not here getting offended and hurt, taking things personally, feeling all insecure, and frustrated because the way people are treating you. Yeah, he said, who are we? Who's, who's Aaron? Who am I? Are you murmuring against us? You ain't murmuring against us. Don't kid yourself. You're, com- you're murmuring against the Lord. Why, why, what do you mean by that? No, Moses, you're the one that brought us out here. I didn't want to brought you. Yeah, I split the Red Sea. Yeah, I'm the one that did. Come on, guys. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? You got to be kidding me. See, I'm not, the one, I'm not the one responsible for all this. I'm just here for the ride. See, it's really the Lord you're upset with because it's his word I'm speaking and it's his power that's flowing through me and the things that I'm doing, I'm being led to do. I'm being guided by him to do. I'm not just coming up with ideas of my own to do these things. No, no, this is, this is the Lord's idea. 
And people just understood that. You know, they complain, oh, I don't like it that way. It's like, it's like, would you walk up to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't like the way you're doing that. Huh? I don't like the way you're doing that, Jesus. Yeah, you know what? They go home. I don't like the way Jesus is handling things. I think he's selfish. I think he's prideful. I think Jesus is prideful. That's what it is. See, they don't think they're talking about Jesus. They think they're talking about Harold or someone else. But it's Jesus. If Harold's yielded to the Holy Spirit. If Harold's doing what he does in the power of his might. And not in his own strength. Not in his own ability. Not according to his own wisdom. Then these people are murmuring against God. That's pretty offensive to God. When people are murmuring and complaining. I mean, just look at the children of Israel. Look what happened to them. It didn't go well for them. The more they complained against Moses, they were complaining against God. The more they complained against God, they weren't just pushing themselves away from Moses. They were pushing themselves away from God. It's the same thing with Abraham. Abraham, I mean, he went out to places that God told him to go. He wasn't just out doing his own thing. He said, yeah, I'm going to go for adventure. I'm going to go to a land I know nothing about. And I'm just going to go. No, God told him to go. And so he was obeying God. And as he went, God was prospering him, blessing his life and everything else. And, and Lot is right there. And so Abraham, you know, just yielding to God. He's teaching Abraham about God. And they're out there doing the work of God. And God's teaching Abraham how to profit and increase. And, and so he's increasing and being, and being blessed like God said he would do to Abraham if Abraham obeyed him. And then they came where, you know, Lot, his herdsmen, were whining and complaining, uh, you know, concerning Abraham's herdsmen. And they start whining and complaining and everything else. And so you know, Abraham said, hey, we can't, we can't have strife. We can't have this. Because why? Because Abraham's peace. He's a peace man. He's a man of God. He's a man of peace. He's like, I can't have this. I can't have this strife. I can't have this stuff going on. So he loves Lot. He loves him like a son. But he has to tell him, listen, you, we need to separate from each other. This was not an easy thing. But he realized, you know, I can't have this around me. I'm, I'm, I'm staying in the peace of God. I, I got I to stay in faith. And so he told him, now, you just decide which direction you want to go. And you could choose the best land, whatever, whatever you want. And then I'll go the other direction. And so Lot lifted his eyes without any problem here. Without any problem here. He lifts his eyes and he looks around and he, and he chooses what seemed to be the best part of town. So he goes and he leaves him, his herdsmen, and all his herds and flock. And they all leave and they move away. They separate from Abraham. When he separated from Abraham, he didn't separate from Abraham. His discontentment, his dissatisfaction... His frustration with Abraham was a dissatisfaction and a frustration uh, of God. He was, he left God when he left Abraham. Because everything Abraham was doing, he was doing by faith and not in his own ability. Not according to his own wisdom. So when he separated from Abraham, he separated from God. And so, where does he end up? He ends up right in the middle of the wicked. Right in the middle of the wicked. And he, this rich man, Lot, lost everything. Eventually, he lost it all. It just all deteriorated and he lost it all. Because he didn't separate from it. So we have to watch ourselves. We have to understand, you know, God's leading people. And God leads us and God connects us and he, he's the one that guides us. And we just, we've got to watch, we've got to recognize, you know, God is working in me. God's working through other people. We have to be sensitive to that. And we've got we've to watch. We don't want to ever be found mocking God. Remember, didn't Jesus say, he said, you know, I was in the hospital and you didn't visit me. Didn't he say that? He said, I was in prison and you didn't, you didn't come and visit me. I was, I was, I was thirsty. You, you didn't give me anything to drink. I was, I was, I was hungry. You didn't give me anything to eat, and I was really cold. And you didn't give me anything to wear. And he said, "This is now." They're standing before the judgment. Lord, when did we, when did we see you hungry? When, when did we see you? When did we, when, Lord? I'd never do that. Lord, I love you. You know how much I love you. I sang in the choir. 
Lord, Lord. You say, no, 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 you're obnoxious to me. You despised me. You despised everything I said. You despised everything I was doing. Lord, I didn't know that was you doing it. That doesn't change the fact that it was me who doing it. Just because you say you didn't know. You were, you were kicking against me. What did he say to the apostle Paul? Who was Saul, right? So Saul is that he's persecuting who? Christians. He's persecuting Christians. And these Christians were faith Christians. You understand? This is the early church. This is the book of Acts. I mean, these folks are, these folks are living by faith. And so the day comes where the Lord's glory strikes Saul and he falls off his high horse and that light just blinds him and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. That's who he was attacking. He was attacking Jesus. People are attacking Jesus. If people want to take you and throw you in prison for being a Christian, it's Jesus they want to throw in prison. It's not about you. So don't take it personally. I tried. I tried everything to make them happy. I mean, I voted this platform. I don't deserve being here. It's not... It's not about you. It's about him. That's why Paul and Silas were able to rejoice, shout, and praise God at midnight in prison because they knew it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about God. So they just counted it an honor to be a part of the sufferings of Christ because Jesus came to suffer and die for us. And he's still willing to lay his life down every day for us and even through us. Hallelujah. It's an honor and a privilege to let him live his life through us. Wow, glory to God. What did we do wrong? What did we do wrong? What did we do wrong? Maybe it's it's just too much of Jesus. Maybe it's just too much of God in your life. You know, that can cause you problems. Don't get me wrong. It can cause great favor, cause you to be famous in a positive sense. But it can also cause you to be famous in a negative sense. Because just as surely as people that love Jesus will recognize you and say, Oh, Jesus! People over here that are full of demons will look and say, Jesus, what have we to do with you? What have we to do with you, David? You come to torment me before the time. <laughs> You're just driving me crazy. It's Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's, it's good though, actually. Right? <laughs> if Jesus drive you crazy, that's a good crazy. Right? And, and, and really, Jesus doesn't drive you crazy. He just brings the craziness out of you. You already were crazy. You looked wonderful, darling, until Jesus showed up, and then he showed up your craziness. Right? Now you look crazy because you were crazy. See, it's like the Pharisees and the sad, Sadducees. You know? These, these religious people, they look so holy, so wonderful, until Jesus showed up. So Jesus showed up. As soon as Jesus showed up, they wanted to kill him. They, wanted, they became murderers. They were beside themselves with, with, with murder and hatred. I mean, it must have been something to look at. I mean, they, were just, they became so violent. They were violent. They were violent men. They were wicked, corrupt murderers, sons of their father, the devil. It wasn't until Jesus showed up that all that came out of them. So I say all that to say that you might not be the greatest blessing to people with wherever you go. You might bring out the worst in people. But the good news is is that you're getting it out of them. And that's a good thing. Right? Because it's no good for it to just stay in them. What's in them needs to be made known. If God's in them, it needs to be made known. If the devil's in them, it needs to be made known. Devils can't hide when Jesus comes in the room. 
So he can't hide when you come in the room. When you come in the room, demons know there's nowhere to hide. Nowhere to hide. You're not going to get out of here, punk. Right? You come walking in. You come walking in. Jesus comes walking in. Yes? Oh, hallelujah. I'm having too much fun to quit. Praise God. I'm just here for the ride. Glory to God. He's talking to us tonight. He's helping us. Thank God for his word. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God we can live the life of faith where it's no longer us really doing the living. We're just living by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us. We have his life now. He gave his life for us. That's not just where he died on the cross, but he gave his life for us. He gave his life. We have his life now. We have his life living on the inside of us. So let his life live. In other words, let his life express itself through you. Let God manifest himself through you in all the world. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand up on your feet with me. Let's thank the Lord. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.